So last fall, uh, I had some, some work done at my house. A, a friend came over, and, and he, he looked around our house, and uh, he saw the basements carpeted, and, and the kids play down there, and he said, dude, e, you should turn this into a man cave. I was like, all the kids play down here, and I was like, man cave? <laughs> we don't really need a washing machine, do we? We don't really need a dryer. I mean, those are excess. We'll just TV, fridge. We'll just, we'll just move all those out. So, in fact, I think I have a slide. Uh, I started to, to look at, well, what, what have people done for, uh, for man caves? Can we put that first slide up? One more slide. One more. There we go. <laughs> so this one is obviously a, a, a golf fan. He's got the AstroTurf down. Uh, up, up on the back, if you can see, the, the floor is a little bit raised. He's got a, a, a putting green. He's got the TV on the wall. The TV and the golf balls in the same room, maybe not such a great plan, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's his space. Uh, there's one more after this. So the, the next one, uh, if you can advance the slide, the next one had a, a sort of a tropical theme to it. So this is in his basement. He, he put up a new wall. He's got the lawn chair. I really just have carpet and a washing machine. So, but, but these guys have gone all out. So I only knew the term man cave, but there's man space, man land, a mansuary, you know. <laughs> so the man cave is the place that the, the, it's got everything the man likes, right? He, he tailor makes it for himself. It's his space to retreat to a place where he can be close to his friends. Amen? Now, through the process of, of, of studying and prepping for this morning, I didn't realize, and unfortunately we had a video which, which won't play, but it's not just men. There's the she shed. <laughs> so in the she shed, it's everything the woman wants. There's a video I love that uh, it's an Allstate commercial, and the, and the woman says that the lightning finally struck my, my she shed, and she thought somebody burned it down. There's a chandelier in the she shed. I mean, this is her space. It's hers. It's everything that she likes in her space. And it's a place to retreat to, but also a place to be with, with her friends, the ones that she's close to. Amen? So everybody wants a place where, uh, that they can call their own, a place where they can be with their friends, even God. Amen. And he has a plan. He has a blueprint to get that space, and we're part of that plan. In fact, not to put too fine a point on it, but this plan is so important and getting it was so important to Paul that he said, I would give up my own salvation if I thought it would help my fellow Jews understand God's plan. I would give up my relationship with Jesus that belongs to me so that my fellow Jews who really, I mean, if anybody should be close to God, it should be them. But they're not seeing that Jesus is the son of God. They're just seeing him as a, really as a nuisance. So I would, I would give up everything I have, the things that are most valuable to me, if my fellow Jews could get this plan. 
So what we want to talk about this morning is that God wants you and I to be magnificent. Magnificent. So God's relationship with his people over time has has strengthened, it's evolved. Um, So I'm going to throw some prepositions at you this morning, going back to your your English grammar. We're going to talk about three prepositions this morning. We're going to talk about with. Can you say with? With. Among Among. and in. So if we can go to the next slide. Actually, a few pa- There we go. So first, uh, God is, is with the people. So this is uh, a passage out of Exodus. And the, the people we're talking about are the Jews. They've been in captivity. They've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Now, God has finally brought them out. They're crossing the desert. And let's just read this together. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God is with them. They've come out, and unfortunately that wasn't the end of the story for them. The the Egyptians said, we made a mistake letting them go. So they go after the Egyptians, and so God is with them. Uh, in front, leading them, and when the Egyptians come behind, he's behind and protecting them. And it says he appears as a cloud. So his presence is manifest as a cloud. So God is with them. Amen. And that was a good thing. Now, fast forward, the intent was always for them to come out of Egypt and get into their own land, into a, a land of promise. We call it the promised land. And God is now among the people. So he's given them the, the, the law uh, which they kept in a box called the Ark, which you may have heard of, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that the Ark is kept in a tent, not like this, a bit more glorious than this, but uh, it's kept in a tent. And, and the same cloud that was with them, representing the presence of God, stays over that Ark. And so as they're traveling through uh, the desert to their land of promise, the cloud goes with them. And the camp of the Israelites is arranged all around the Ark. So the cloud is in the center of the camp. So the, the people, this is nice being hands-free. <laughs> the camp would set up, and when the cloud would pick up and, and, and move forward, the camp would move. And when the cloud would stop, the camp would stop. And that's how the people found their way to the land of promise. They followed the cloud. Amen? So now David comes to power as, as king. They're in the, the promised land. The kingdom is set up. They've, they've, they've arrived. They've got their space. And David says, it's, it's wrong for the ark to be in a tent. This is, this is wrong. I've got a palace. Why is the presence of God in this tent? So we need to build a temple. And God says, great. I'm, I'm so pleased that you had that vision. You're not the one to do it. It's going to be Solomon, your son. I'll give you all the instructions, and you tell Solomon how to do it. So Solomon builds this temple uh, for the Lord. Now, this is the high point of Israelite history. This is the best point for a long time in their society. The, the temple represents the presence of God. There's a big party to dedicate the, the temple. Let's go to the next slide. So God is now among the people, right? So the people have camped around the ark. Now the, the temple is built in Jerusalem in the center of town. So let's read this, this together. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and 6. I brought a few different verses together just to make it compact. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark, and they brought up the ark and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, 
And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. So just to give you some perspective, the temple was so key. This, and at this time, you know, we sort of take for granted that God is, is omnipresent. And this time, there was very much this sense that God, or really any God, was very regional, very localized. So there was a God of a certain territory. Um, there wasn't always the, Christian, the, the Jewish God. And that the, the God of the Jews lived in the temple. So his presence was there. If you were to go out in the, the wilderness and get lost, you would maybe take out a compass or maybe an old reference now. You might take out your compass app on your phone. <laughs> and the needle would say, this is north. And you'd say, oh, okay, that, now I know how to get back to where I, I need to be. Anywhere you were within uh, the promised land, within, within Palestine, you would reference the temple. That was where the presence of God was. So if you wanted to pray, you would go to the temple. If you were far from the temple, you would say, where is the temple? Oh, so I'm going to pray this way. So this was the center of the Jewish experience. Now, the problem was the temple was beautiful. And God said, as long as you honor me, as long as you follow my decrees and my instructions, we're all good. I'll stay here. My presence will be here. I'll protect you. Unfortunately, Solomon could not keep to that and, and turn to idolatry uh, as, as time went on. Unfortunately, the people followed him. Uh, the, the society falls apart. There's civil war. It's all bad from there. And it was, the problem was idolatry was so tempting. You could, if to follow God, you had to worship always at the temple or toward the temple. With idolatry, you could worship whatever God you wanted, some other place. When you wanted, you could have what you wanted. It was a very indulgent religion. So the final blow is civil war. God says, I told you, if you don't follow me, I'm leaving. And so he, he leaves. So other, other uh, nations come in, uh, destroy society. They export all the Jews. And the final blow is that the temple is destroyed. The problem was that Solomon and the people couldn't keep the law. So they couldn't please God. At this point, God says, this is obviously not working. I was, in, I was with you, all was good, but it wasn't really what I wanted. I was among you as the, you know, the ark with the temple, and that wasn't good. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't stick with me. Have you ever, I don't know how many of you telecommute, if you, if you work from home, or you know, so maybe you, you uh, work with your coworkers over Skype or over you know, some other app, or maybe you're far from home. How many, pe- how many people were born in another country and, all, and family is, is far, far away? You know, it's, it's fine to call sometimes, but sometimes you just have to be there. And this is the point that God got to. He's saying, it, it, I, was, I was with you. I was among you. It was never enough. I just have to be there. I've got to be where you are. I need to be in you. Next slide. So now, in the New Testament, we fast forward and God is in his people. So at birth, this is, this is kind of us. We're, we're a building, but it's empty. And we're, and we're there until, I mean, this is kind of our stats until salvation. It's just us. Amen? I mean, it's, it's, it's just us. And now, your physical body 
is God's temple. So let's read this verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses ni- verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we are now <laughs> the temple. God lives in us. So a lot of the same things that God taught uh, Solomon about the temple, now, you know, 1,500 years ago, more than that, you know, 2,000 years ago plus, a lot of those things apply to us today. So let me say it differently. Gentlemen, you are now God's man cave. Everything that he likes, that's what should be in here. Ladies, you are now God's she shed. Now, to be clear, the scriptures refer to God as as a he, but because you are female, you're the she shed. So everything that God likes is what should be in you as as the temple. Amen? So we know now that we're the temple, but what does a temple do? Actually, I'm going to have my assistant come up. Because at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. <laughs> so this is my son, but today he's the Holy Spirit. Amen? <laughs> we see you? All right, he's in there. So Solomon did get some things right. And what he says when we read this is that, God, I want to build you a magnificent temple. A magnificent temple. So when, when Solomon and the people sinned and disobeyed God... This is, this is key. The temple stayed beautiful, but it was no longer magnificent. It was still a beautiful structure. I mean, it was 180,000 people that worked on this. Seven years, gold inlaid. It's a beautiful building. No longer magnificent as soon as the presence of God leaves. So today, the Holy Spirit inside, living inside of us makes us temples. When the Holy Spirit went inside, this stopped being a tent and started being a, a temple. But it's our partnership with the Holy Spirit that makes us magnificent. It's how we live. It's our choices. So what does magnificent mean? Let's, let's, let's go there for a second. If we go to the next slide. I think we're... There we go. So magnificent, it comes from the Latin, means to make great or serving to magnify. You're on my notes, Pastor Chandler. Magnify, to make large, to advance, to boast, to bring up, to exceed, to increase or lift up. So there's a few ways that we magnify the Lord. And I, I, I got some, some sheets here. Uh, these are just magnifying sheets. And we magnify the Lord in worship. So we hold the sheet up 
we say, Lord, we worship you. We, we, we put you in a high place. We declare that you are great. And we do this for others, where others watch us and they say, wow, your God is big. <laughs> your God is big. I can see him so much more clearly now because you have magnified him. You have magnified him. We declare that you are great. And it reminds us that, God, you're bigger than my problems. I, I, I magnify you. I magnify you in prayer because I spend time with you. And now I can see you so much more clearly. I understand more about you. I understand what your plans are for my life. I, I magnify you. I, I magnify you as I, as I read the word. And now I can see so much more clearly. You know, th- these are sold so that I can see details through this that I can't see with the naked eye. And so when I magnify the Lord in worship, I say, wow, my situation was taking me over. But because I put you in a place of, of honor and worship, you're so much bigger now. I magnify. And that's why we say, oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. We magnify him. We magnify him through our holy living. And this is where Solomon fell down. Because he thought it was good enough just to build a beautiful temple not realizing that it was his lifestyle that made it magnificent. And that was where the nation followed him down, as I said, into civil war and exile, and they lost their territory. Fast forward to now Jesus comes, and we still have the temple. And there's the famous story where Jesus comes into the the temple, and he realizes that it's not being used the way it's supposed to be. The people have turned it into Faneuil Hall. Star Market, Stop and Shop, we're selling mangoes, we're selling car tires, we're selling iPods, we're selling everything except and not doing what the temple was supposed to be doing. And so, so he goes through with, 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 with the whip and, and drives people out. He says, this is not what the temple is for. This is the same problem Solomon had. The temple is supposed to be a place of prayer. The temple is supposed to be a place of communing with God, not Faneuil Hall. So the question is that I have to ask myself and, and, and I'll ask you. In fact, turn to your neighbor and ask them this, thinking about Jesus with the whips. What or who, ask your neighbor, do you need to shoe? Jesus shooed the money changers and the, and the merchants out of the temple. What or who do I need to shoo out of the temple so I can be magnificent? Amen? So there's some things that need to get shooed out of the temple so that we can be magnificent. That was Solomon's goal. And it's funny, if you look through the scriptures, you see how many times the word magnificent is used in the context of the temple. Old Testament, New Testament. In fact, when Mary realizes that she's pregnant with, with Jesus, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and it registers, wow, Elizabeth is pregnant. I'm pregnant. Both of those are supernatural event- events. My soul, what does she say, magnifies the Lord. And so in, in, in uh, theological circles, the, the speech that Mary gives after she visits her, her cousin um, is called the Magnificat. I magnify the Lord. I realize now that I'm the temple, at least for 10 months. Amen? 
So I realized that, that there's some things that I just need to shoo. I, I need to, I need to shoo. I need to, to remove from the temple. Allison, my wife and I, a, a few months ago were, were watching TV. It had been a long day. The kids were finally in, in bed. Um, we just, just crashed in front of the TV and I just, I just grabbed the clicker and just like, I just need to zone out for a little while. You, you've been there? You just, you just need to zone. I don't want to think. I don't want to read. I just need to zone. So I turned on the TV, and I like stand-up comedy. There was a, a comedian who would come on. I'd heard of him but never, never listened. Uh, while we're clicking around, my wife nods off because um, it's, it's, it's late, and we're just wiped. So I, I, I say, oh, I never heard this guy before. He starts talking, and I'm laughing at his jokes, but something inside of me is a little bit perturbed. You know, it's like that sweater you get with a tag kind of hits you in the wrong place. <laughs> and I'm saying, this, this is funny, but it's not, something's not right about what he's saying. And, and, I, and I'm trying to say, okay, that's the last time he's going to say that. You've done that? He's not going to say that again. I'll just, I'll just keep going. And my wife wakes up, and she's listening. She's saying, what are we watching? I said, oh, oh he's, <laughs> he's just playing. He doesn't, he doesn't really mean that. He's just, he's, just, he's just, you know, by the third he's just, I realized I should just change the channel. Because we just need not to watch it. I have to create a, a temple where the Holy Spirit is comfortable. I've got to create a place where the Holy Spirit, because when I watch, the Holy Spirit's watching too. He's eating a popcorn just like I am. And he's stuck with whatever I'm screening that night. Because he lives on the inside. I think this crystallized the most actually when my wife uh, not to pick on her my wife Allison was was pregnant and that's when we realized that we were living for two or she was living for two and I was playing a supporting role now there it was obvious because you know she had an enlarged stomach because the baby was there but you know we would read the books and talk to the obstetrician and we realized there are certain things that she needs to eat so that she can be healthy and the baby can be healthy and so the, the book said, we need to drink water. And I said, okay, I'm with you. We're going to drink water. We need to eat fruit. All right, fruit. We need to eat veggies. And we need to eat liver because it's a good source of iron. I said, that's where my journey's with you stops. <laughs> I, I cannot go with you any further. And people have said, well, you don't need to have it the way I fix it or my, my father fixes it. And I, I just haven't been able to cross that, that divide yet. <laughs> Uh, so I, I chopped it up into pieces and put it in sauce. I just, I, I couldn't get there. So let me, let me just take some, some pills. But, but <laughs> the point was that she needed to eat for two. And I need to watch what I consume because I'm eating for two. So this is, this is a, a homework assignment for, for, for you, for all of us. And I've tried to get myself in the habit of doing this. I want us to think for two on a regular basis. So maybe once a week, do something that's a little bit nutty. And I, I did this once, and hopefully you'll still think well of me after this. I was living in Somerville, and I, I think I was living alone at that point. I started to set the table for dinner. And as I'm setting, I said, I'm getting this idea that it's not just me. So I set a second table setting. No one was going to sit there. But it was just a statement to me that the Holy Spirit is here as well. So what I'm suggesting, maybe once a week, whenever you think of it, do for two. If you go get, to get a bottle of water, get two. If you go to get yourself a sandwich, 
Grab two. Now this is a slippery slope. I would suggest doing two with low-cal foods. Let me say it differently. Get one and cut it in two. One for you. One for the Holy Spirit. As a reminder, a tangible, a little bit off, but a tangible reminder It's not just me. And in that time, when you've done for you and you've set something aside for the Holy Spirit, that's a good time to say, Holy Spirit, how can I magnify you more? How can I be a more magnificent temple for you? In Jesus' time, the temple was no longer just a a single building. In fact, they, they... they enhanced it. And this was sort of a wake-up to me. I always picture the temples being sort of like, like this building, like PT. And at some level it was, but by the time Jesus came, it had become a campus. It was 32 acres of the temple and then lots of supporting buildings. What that reminds us is that even though Paul says in that, that First Corinthians verse that we, we read, you are the temple, there is a sense in which mystically... When we all get together, we also corporately form the temple. So God is in us. I think my son's still in there. He is in us, but he's also among us. So when we go out into the community to do outreach, we have a, uh, an outreach service coming this, this week. Let's be reminded that we are a community of temples and together We form the temple. So you magnify the Lord, and you magnify the Lord, and you magnify the Lord, and you magnify the Lord. And we all, together, magnify the Lord. Amen? And communion reminds us that together we form the body of Christ. It's not just me. It's not even just me and the Holy Spirit. It's me and you. And together, we magnify the Lord. And as people look through us and all of our magnifying lenses align, how much better can the world see Jesus when he looks through all of them? So when... when, when when there's something between us, I apologize quickly. I'm working on that. I apologize quickly. When, when someone apologizes to me, I work on forgiving quickly. Because we all need to be aligned. If we're not aligned, then there's only one lens. And maybe it's great. You know, maybe the world can come up and, and look inside my temple and see, oh, yeah, I see the Holy Spirit. I see Jesus in there. But how much better is it? When we all align and the world can look through a collection of magnifying lenses and see Jesus fully magnified because the congregation has done it. Amen. This is what it comes down to. And then I'm going to leave. Satan has made it difficult for the world 
to see God. We magnify the Lord to fix that. Through our worship, through our time of prayer and Bible study, through our holy living that says we're a different people. We look like everyone else. In some ways we dress like everyone else, but we're not just an empty tent. We live for two. The Holy Spirit is inside.